How do we want to start this? What's I think we need to do our, our intro. Banter. We haven't done our intro in a while. Do you even remember our <laughs> intro? Yeah, we say, I'm Jesse Steffes. And I'm Trevor Sharon. And this is Therapy Level Midnight. The office goes to counseling. That's I'm falling right. into it now. That's right. You remember. <laughs> yep. <laughs> We're two counselors in Colorado Springs uh, yes. who love the office and mm. love just talking about what fun things in our lives correlate to like real stuff and meaningful yeah. stuff. Well, and I think that, yeah, we, we love the office and I think short of saying we've made it bigger than it is, yeah, which it's really big. Yeah. <laughs> I think we it didn't helps do it, us. They did it. We, they were perfect first, but I think it has made, we have found a connecting piece. Mm-hmm. So you and I talk about the idea of there's not a single life event that mm-hmm. can happen or has happened or will happen that has not happened. <laughs> <laughs> or could ever happen again. <laughs> or could ever happen again in the history of time or the future of time that doesn't have some part of the office that it correlates to. <laughs> I think that was probably the most Michael thing I've ever heard you say. <laughs> Well, sometimes I start a sentence and I don't know where it'll end. But I think you and I have challenged each other with that before. Yeah. Like, is there anything that the office doesn't apply to? I'm yet to find anything. Yeah. it's And especially in the field of counseling where we love our metaphors. Mm. It's so easy to have something that is well known enough right. that we can go back to and say like, hey, do you remember right. um, when Michael – uh, talks to Phyllis as if she's an old maid. And then she points out that they're the same age. <laughs> they went like, to high school together. This feels like a similar situation. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and like it's just – it's cool to have built-in metaphors in pop culture yeah. and have that piece of pop culture <laughs> kind of transcend the timeline. Yeah. Because yeah. like even things like – Game of Thrones was really, really big, Mm -hmm. but I haven't heard all that much conversation about it, but I still hear a lot of conversation about The Office. Exactly. And yeah, I do feel like it's somewhat, I think you're saying it's pretty timeless. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I will say though that the more I work with with younger population primarily and less and less of them are exposed to The Office. Which is sad. I know. It's going to be the friends of like, because like. Do you know that I hate friends? I think I do. But you have to admit, like, there's a sense of timelessness where it lasted way longer than anyone really expected. And and still is revered long yeah. after. You're right. And, and and there's a lot of my peers that haven't ever watched Friends, but right. might even still get some of the references. True. And I hope that's true of The Office. I hope. Maybe that's our life's work. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting, too. We're going to go on a real tangent here at the beginning of our Phyllis episode. The, I'm gonna sneeze. <laughs> you go ahead and sneeze. I'll make my point. Okay. <laughs> with the timelessness, it's interesting that with the show opens with so many things that feel socially awful. Like, mm. like there's so much sexism and there's so much um, racism and right. there's so much unprofessional behavior that if the show was to air today, it would be shut down just because – it, we can't even joke about those things anymore. Right. And yet, yeah, we can go back to the office and laugh about it. Yeah. It's almost like it's preserved in a little moment of time. Yeah. And it, yeah. In, in some ways, like even with the Great Recession and 
even like small things like the change in pension plans. This is such a dumb little minute detail in the office. But the change in pension plans and retirements that we see very subtly throughout the office, especially during the financial crisis and, mm-hmm. and the after effects, is really interesting because it really makes it more historical, too, of yeah. how office life has changed mm-hmm. since the Great Recession. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I probably thought about it more than I should have. Well. Whatever. That's how you work. So here's what I want to talk about, though. We're talking about Phyllis today. We are. Phyllis has two last names. She does. Which do you like better? I think Vance. I I think it just – because when I think about Phyllis, there's something that is unleashed when she marries Bob. Trevor. (laughs) What? Yes. This is what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> oh, well, we just dived right into <laughs> yes. it. Good. You were like yes. eager for this. Yes. Tell me. So I thought a lot about Phyllis in preparation for us talking about her. And what I thought about was how she is constantly on this very like precipice of wildness, mm-hmm. but such marmish. Marmish? I don't know. Marm? <laughs> What what word are you trying to say? Is it momish? No. <laughs> Matronly? Is that the word? <laughs> oh, school marm, school marm. <laughs> what are you, a little British girl in like the Victorian age? <laughs> I might be. <laughs> Little sweet, the street sweeper. <laughs> Cheerio, we got your papers. Phyllis is quite marmish. <laughs> But yeah, she is very matronly. Yes. So let me try differently. (laughs) She's on this precipice between matronly and like just kind of dated feeling and wild and even at some points like conniving and kind Mm -hmm. of cruel and aggressive. Yeah. It's a very – she feels like a very precarious person, like constantly on a point of almost tipping. Yeah. This is there's something interesting with Phyllis too, where, um, and this will be interesting if my sister ever listens to it. There, there are aspects of my sister that feel mm-hmm. similar to Phyllis, mm-hmm. where you may not think too much. Like it's easy to kind of forget yeah. about them. Um, like mild mannered yes. in most cases, like ninety percent right. of the time. Mild mannered, not going to cause a fuss, kind of just going to do the thing and and care. Like there's a right. lot of care that Phyllis has, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's the the marmish thing, the matronly thing. <laughs> yes. But then, as soon as she marries Bob Bob Vance Vance yeah. Refrigeration, there's aspects of her that I think the secure attachment to Bob mm. and just the safety of a marriage mm-hmm. allows her to explore. And I saw this with my sister too. And mm. what was interesting was that like my brother-in-law got blamed for some things that were really just my sister's character that felt so different. Like some some seeming rebellion maybe? A little bit, but it, I think it was more just this, this lively, colorful, mm. like I'm going to be myself in full. Yeah. And it was so different and unexpected that it really felt like it was the other's fault. Mm -hmm. And I think the same thing happens with Phyllis where there's almost this like sense that Bob is the thing that that, like pulls this out of Phyllis. But I think it's really Phyllis that pulls Bob in on a lot of this. 
well, she is an antagonist. Like I'm thinking about, I think the, the office does such a beautiful job of creating life in mm -hmm. their relationship mm -hmm. and this very like sweet adventure, yeah. risky, um, so, risque, right? Like <laughs> when they, when Bob Vance from Vance Refrigeration and Phyllis take Jim and Pam out yeah. to Valentine's lunch, they go to the bathroom for a quickie. <laughs> Phyllis and Bob, and and they're older. And I do love too how the office portrays Phyllis as such a sexual being in yeah. her older life, which she's not. Again, she's not older no. than Michael, but I think seeing a woman older than young. Right. Mm -hmm. Having this vivacious life is a really good thing for us to be able to have access to and see because it's real. Yeah. Right? It's real life. Yeah. And I and I think it says a lot too of like we don't have to we don't have to feel like we missed out mm. in our lives because there's so much of Phyllis that we see in later seasons mm -hmm. that is so lively mm. and um, fun. Fun. And, I, you know, if you go back and rewatch, like we've done several times, <laughs> right. you can see those elements in her. Mm -hmm. But they really just explode after yeah. certain points in her experience. Like I think even becoming head of the party planning committee was a huge aspect of her. And, and I have to say I have so much respect Mm. for Phyllis mm -hmm. in having her bluff called by Angela and then turning around and doing it. Yeah. Because so often in movies and TV shows, we see the the protagonist. I'm going to call her the protagonist in this. Yeah. It's way more complicated than that. The protagonist with like the ability to do something, the antagonist call their bluff. Yep. And then the protagonist doesn't, yeah. Doesn't move. Right. And so to see Phyllis kind of shut down right. for that second visibly, like I was like, oh, dang it. Like here it is again. Right. And then she turns around and she's like, Angela's Dwight and Angela are having an affair. Like <laughs> I was like, what? Well, really? What's, what's interesting yes. though is like what leads up to that too is she's basically blackmailing Angela. Yeah. Which if we were to line up the entire office staff and say, who do you think in here is blackmailing someone? Oh I don't gosh. think we would choose Phyllis. Probably not. Right? <laughs> Although and probably all of them have at some point. That might be an other. episode. Yeah. The black, the office blackmails. Yeah. I, I just think she's such a complex character yeah. that is, that falls in and out of over-regulation yeah. and seeming kind of chaos and yeah. volatility. Yeah. But in a very, um, more covert way, maybe. Yeah, and I think some of the the more chaotic, um, socially pushing it kind of things mm -hmm. with Phyllis, there's an aspect of fantasy with it. Yes. Because even when she says things like, don't make me get Bob involved. Oh, I shouldn't <laughs> have said that. Right. There's definitely a part of me that believes, like, Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration may yeah. have – some CD dealings. CD dealings. <laughs> but it's also very easy for me to believe that yeah. this is just part of Phyllis's fantasy. Right. And that it's not necessarily that, you know, Bob's going to call a hitman on so-and-so. Mm -hmm. But it's more that Phyllis sees her husband as somebody who is 
on her side always, able to protect, able mm-hmm. to um, fiercely yeah. uh, be on her side. Right. And and so it comes out like that. <laughs> and so it's a little bit more dramatic than maybe it is in reality. But I think that's really beautiful because yeah. even in like a healthy monogamous relationship, there is that sense of fantasy and mm-hmm. – unreality of seeing the person better than they are Mm. and assuming better than they do um, that I think is necessary for health and growth, you know, not ignoring the faults, but really being able to see the the fantastic, overdramatic, romantic aspect of that. And I think Phyllis does that all the time with Bob. What a really beautiful I, – I love what you're saying right now. And it's it's making me think – I listened to a podcast recently where the Gottmans, yeah. John and Julie Gottman, were on Brene Brown's podcast. Oh, nice. Her podcast is almost as good as ours. Oh, Brene okay. So, I mean, go take a listen to that. <laughs> Check it out you know, if you've heard of her. We'll be back with more episodes. <laughs> like, you might want to fill your time. Right. <laughs> Um, but they were on there, and and so they're they're couples and marriage researchers, yeah. right? And For like forty years, a ton of time, and they're so skillful in this and so so seasoned in it. But they mm-hmm. also talk about what it looks like in their relationship, yeah. And they talk about a sense of idealizing one another, mm. being a soothing balm for conflict. Oh. It's really beautiful, and you're making me think of that. That you know when when Phyllis can think of her partner as a protector and mm-hmm. this kind of um, night, right, mm-hmm. that comes in, there's there's something really healing about us inflating in a good way our idea of our partner because it creates, I think, a little bit of a buffer mm-hmm. for when there's difficulty and conflict. Yeah. Yeah, so I love that that idea. I'm thinking too about when she thinks that Bob is cheating on her. Oh, with the receptionist that looks uncannily like her. <laughs> Very similar. She looks like a younger this this receptionist who we we never see like Vance yeah. Refrigeration working. No, but it's well cast. Very well. And this this administrative person, the secretary, looks like Phyllis, but a little younger. Yeah. Body shape and size yeah. and general. And I think I might rare. be mixing my timelines here, but I think this is around the time where Pam is pursuing her for little things that she does with the staff that really boost um, uh, morale. Yeah. With like the New Year's resolutions. The New Year's resolution board and the maybe the chore chart at that time. Yeah. I think it's the same person. Yeah. But like that would contribute to this idealizing of another person Mm -hmm. who is uncannily similar. Yeah. And having more – time and space with your partner than right. you do right. just by the nature of work. Yeah. But it's also really interesting to me, the security and the safety in the relationship that even though she has those thoughts as she's getting quote unquote massage therapy from Dwight. This is from Cafe Disco, the episode yep. Cafe Disco, when Michael Scott, Scott creates a disco club in the basement of the building with a disco ball. Where and he used to machine. run Michael Scott Paper Company. Yep. And Phyllis comes down to dance and pulls her back while dancing yeah. vigorously. And so <laughs> Dwight is massaging her back to get this this uh, muscle spasm to stop. And then staples her shirt back together after <laughs> scissoring it off. Yeah. But she she like laughs it off. Is yeah. like she, she, she says it's... it, and then she and as as she says it, she's like, "That's so silly." 
Yeah. Which that speaks to this concept. I think Phyllis embodies this for us too of, I had a therapist once that I was working with tell me, say the crazy things out loud. Hmm. And I at first was like, I'm not crazy. There's not going to be any crazy things to say out loud. (laughs) Turns out, (laughs) surprise. But it was really this idea of like, say the crazy fears out loud because it dissipates and they Hmm. grow when they're inside of us. So for her to say, I'm afraid Bob's going to cheat on me with this new receptionist. All of a sudden it loses all of its power. Yeah. Right. And she's like, that's insane. That's silly. Totally. I love that. I also think that as much as Phyllis loves others in the office, the others love her too. Like Mm -hmm. even the relationship between Phyllis and Stanley is really fun and playful. But I'm thinking even about like her new medication. Oh, that that causes her her to, that I think it makes her, I think it just puts off an odor. Like it makes her smell bad. It makes her smell like sulfur. Sulfur. But I connected that to implying that she like toots all day. Maybe. You're a little bit more. Amateur. Uh, no, I, w- I was going to say you're better at interpretation and like seeing those things, but whatever, Jesse. <laughs> I'll take that as yeah. a slight. <laughs> but I, like the fact that everybody around her is just like, she sent she, an email. Yeah. yeah. She's like, our person. For me, that would be that would be a huge act of love. Yeah. To just yeah. let that go. Yeah. And even like Andy's got like a paperclip in his nose. Yeah. And he's like, oh, it was fine. Yeah. I don't care. I figured it out. <laughs> like that shows a lot of love and acceptance yeah. for somebody that, you know, even if it's even if they smell. Yeah. Literally. Literally. Yeah. That you're gonna approach it with acceptance and love of like, mm-hmm. there was an email sent. Like, I'm just figuring out how to <laughs> you know, manage the space. Well, and I love too the concept of her relationship with Michael Scott because they have <laughs> this this history, right? Yeah. They went to high school together and it's not brought up a lot in the series, but they have this very nostalgic affection mm-hmm. for one another, which I think is is quite special. And Phyllis actually, now that we're talking this through, I think she has somewhat small special relationships with pretty much everybody in the office. Absolutely. And like when she and and Aaron Hannon are trying to figure out if Aaron might be her daughter who was adopted and just how she handles that and how how excited she is about the possibility. I think she has the ability to relate on a very intimate level that's maybe not as vocal as some of the other characters, but stable and pretty strong nonetheless. Absolutely. They're very meaningful connections, even if they're subtle. Yeah. Which meaningful and subtle I think is – that subtleness I could really learn from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. I think you're just, I don't think I learn very subtly. <laughs> nope, you don't. And that's okay, Jesse. <laughs> Thanks for telling me that. You're welcome. Thanks for that. I yeah. but I, I hear what you're saying too of like I I love obscurity and subtlety. Mm-hmm. And mm. at my and I know also that at my healthiest, mm. that is not always my personality. Mm-hmm. And also that at my unhealthiest, mm-hmm. that leans into some unhealthy aspects of those two things. Yeah. And so finding the balance of like, how can I love obscurity and subtlety mm-hmm. when I'm healthy? Mm. The best thing for that is good role models. Mm. And I think that when we look at meaningful media, mm-hmm. we should be looking for models. Yeah. Like Mr. Rogers believed fully that everything that goes on TV is a model for our children. Truth. 
And I and I fully believe that. And so yeah. I think one of the re- reasons that I love The Office is even though they aren't all the best role models, mm-hmm. they still teach us something valuable. Like even we'll get to Ryan eventually. He's not a good role model. Nope. But we learn so much about him and even the way that right. he's willing to come back to a place that knows his faults so yeah. intimately, set, has so much courage. Right. And the fact that the office eventually welcomes him back. <laughs> Begrudgingly, maybe. Begrudgingly welcomes him back. Right. Says so much about, again, that fi- family system that we always talk about. Right. Well, and I, I think, too, to your point, the the office gives – every single character in their narrative a chance for redemption hmm. and access to healthier ways of being. And whether or not hmm. those characters take that from time to time, you know, is part of the beautiful plot that we get to see unfold. Yeah. But everybody has access to functioning more optimally. Yeah. And everyone has access to a second chance and mm-hmm. redemption. There's nobody that's that's permanently cut off that I can think of. Yeah. I love that. And maybe Phyllis is the quietest form of that. Yeah, I think so. But a stable backing nonetheless. Yeah. And I think, okay, here, here's, here's my ending thought. Okay. I think that the healthier we are and, the, and if we're living a good and healthy life, mm. Big changes are pretty subtle. Mm. They aren't phenomenal. They our aren't. Baseline is so. I think it's just because we're we're more stable. Like, so the big things for me don't have to be, you know, flying on top of the world. It doesn't have to be me becoming, you know, CEO of a multi million dollar company. All of a sudden, if I'm really healthy and I'm living mm. a good life. The most meaningful things might be my daughter just got two new teeth and it's the best thing I've ever experienced in my life. And it's subtle. It's it's not big. It's it's not Tiny. huge. You may not like even notice that anything's changed in me. Right. I think the same way with Phyllis of her relationship. Like we don't even find out that they got engaged until a meeting when it comes up. Right. <laughs> and And yet like – it's so huge for her and it pulls out so much of her. And I think that so often we get pulled mm. into this desire to pursue the phenomenal. Oh, say it again. So often we get pulled into the desire to pursue the phenomenal. When maybe the sweetness is in simplicity and subtleness. Being at the same company for mm. a long time and building really meaningful relationships with all of your coworkers. Did we just... Did we just crack the code? I think we just cracked the code. I think we also just made a perfect uh, segue into next episode, too. Yeah. Oh, man. That was good. Good. So if you didn't catch on, next episode, Stanley Hudson. Stanley. Stanley the manly. Stanley the manly. (laughs)